cats, disoriented hogs, and suicidal cows, one obstacle after another looming up in my field of vision till I began to freeze at every curve and junction. I must have passed a hundred farm wagons, a thousand fields, trees beyond counting. I clung to the wheel and gritted my teeth. Three days earlier I'd celebrated my twenty-fifth birthday, alone on the overnight train from Grand Central to Chicago's Union Station, a commemorative telegram from my father in my suitcase, alongside my finger-worn copies of the Vendingen edition and the Vasmut portfolio, and several new articles of clothing I felt I might find useful in the hinterlands, denim trousers and casual shirts and the like. I never did bother to unpack them. To my mind, this expedition was a ritual undertaking calling for formal dress and conventional behavior, despite the rigors of the road and what I can only call the derangement of the countryside. My hair, combed and recombed repeatedly against the buffeting of the wind, was a slick, brilliantined marvel of study and composition. And I was dressed in my best suit, a new collar, and a tie I'd selected especially for the occasion. And while I hadn't opted for the goggles or cap, I did stop in at Marshall Fields for a pair of driving gloves, dove gray in kid leather, and a white silk scarf I envisioned fluttering jauntily in the wind, but which in fact knotted itself in a sweaty chokehold at my throat before I'd gone ten miles. I kept my spine rigid and held to the wheel with one hand and the mysterious gear shift with the other just as the helpful and courteous man at the automobile agency had demonstrated the previous night in Chicago when I'd purchased the car. It was a 1924 model, used but very sporty, as he assured me, in terrific condition, first-rate, really first-rate, and I paid for it with a check drawn on the account my father had set up for me when I'd disembarked at San Francisco four years earlier and to which generously and indulgently he continued to add on the first of each month. I have to admit I liked the looks of it as it sat there at the curb, motion arrested, power in reserve, all of that. Though I wondered what my father would have thought of it. Inevitably it brought to mind loose women and undergraduates in raccoon coats, or worse yet, gangsters. But the other cars looked ordinary beside it, funereal even. There was one black Durant that should have had a mortuary sign in the window, and there must have been a dozen or more Fords sitting there looking as dull as dishwater in the faded paint Henry Ford had dubbed Japan Black, and I can't imagine why, unless he was thinking of ink sticks and kanji. But then how would he or any of his designers in the remote, xenophobic purlieus of Detroit know anything of kanji? There didn't seem to be any bullet holes in the fenders, not as far as I could see, and the engine spat and roared in a gratifying way. I climbed in, took a turn or two around the block, the salesman at my side shouting out directions, admonitions, and beginner's praise. And then I was on my own, creeping out of town as the ratcheting high-crowned Fords and Chevrolets came roaring at me or shot up to overtake me from behind. I didn't give them a second glance, even when my fellow drivers crowed in derision and made rude gestures out the streaming windows. No, I was too busy. Gearshift, clutch, brake, and accelerator requiring my full and very close attention. In theory, piloting a car was nothing at all, a mere reflex. Anybody could do it, even women. 
but in practice it was like plunging into a superheated public bath over and over again. As for the countryside, the closest I'd come to a rural setting was at Harvard University, where my dormitory room looked out on well-kept lawns, shrubbery, and the deep continents of shade cast by the oaks and elms that had brooded over the heads of generations before me. I'd never been to a farm, even to visit, and I found my meat and eggs in the market like anyone else. No, I was a thoroughly urban being, raised in a series of apartments in the Akasaka district of Tokyo and in Washington, D.C., where for six years my father was cultural attaché at the Japanese embassy. Sidewalks appealed to me, paved avenues, streetlights and shops and restaurants where you could find a French maitre d', and perhaps even a chef who was familiar with bechamel and sauce bernaise instead of the ubiquitous brown...